I know some of you have uh, varying church backgrounds and such, so some of you have probably known this since you were uh, a wee one, and others of you may not. Um, but for those of you who do, I need you to help me with this. Remember, here's the church. Here's the... See, all the people, we've been talking about people for the last several weeks, and I, and I just want you to keep the, what's that? Wow, all right. Why don't you do that with Kathleen? Stand up and do that for us here. We... Okay, I do this with my preschoolers. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door and see all the people, close the doors and hear them pray, open the doors and they all walk away. How come we can't pray with the doors open? I don't know. Oh, okay. walk just away. I don't right. know. <laughs> you can go to the next one, Spence. Um, as we've been talking about people, we've been uh, connecting it to our vision statement. Last week I had you do this, and we're going to have to do it again. Uh, would you read that with me out loud? It is our vision. That's why we're here, and that's why we do what we do. You can go to the next slide if you would, Spence. And, and part of that, we've been looking at the ways three elements of the church are interconnected. Uh, the people part is where we've been focused, but obviously if you have people, they need places to gather, uh, whether that's home, whether that's at work, whether that's in the church building. Um, you need to have programs, things that uh, give them a reason uh, to be together and allows them to be effective in ministry. But all of those are interconnected, and we need all three of those for us to be at our best. You can go to the next one, Spence. We've been looking at what would it look like for the next five years for us as a church to be our best five years. And I've talked about how in order for the next five years for the church to be our best five years, uh, they need to be our best five years individually. And we've focused for several weeks now specifically on what would it look like for 2012 to be our best people year ever. Okay, and now go to the next one, Spence. And as we've talked about that, I've talked about, you know, I, I think early on in the series, I said, you know, our average attendance was this, and our highest average attendance ever was, uh, I think, 131. And, uh, and part of what would it look like for 2012 to be our best people year ever, would it be for us to average more than 131 in morning worship service? And, and I just want to emphasize, as I've talked about that, I don't want to give the wrong impression, all right? Because the truth of the matter is, God does not care about statistics, okay? He does not care whether we average 120 or whether we average 220 or whether we average uh, 320. But, you can go to the next one, Spence, what he does care about is people, all right, that's what he cares about. So if averaging more means we're touching and shaping and influencing more lives, then God's on board with that. If it's just a matter of us having more bodies so that we can report more numbers in our statistical reports at the end of the year, which some of you may not even know we fill out statistical reports at the end of the year, but we do. Uh, he's not into that. But if those numbers, if... A hundred people in here goes from a hundred to a hundred and ten. If that represents more people coming into and growing in a life-changing love relationship with God, 
then he's all about that. And it's interesting, as we've been doing the, the Bible reading, uh, the community Bible experience, some of you are doing it and some of you aren't, um, but it was interesting to me as I started this series um, how oftentimes what I'm reading throughout the course of the series is meshing with what's on my heart in terms of, of sharing with you. And I'd been anticipating some of these messages for quite some time before I started the reading. But I was reminded as I talked about that fact that God does not care about statistics, but he does care immensely about people I thought about something that I read uh, in the first week of the uh, Bible reading plan that we're on and that was Luke chapter 15 how many of you remember what Luke chapter 15 is about remember Jason kinda uh, there, there are three stories in Luke chapter 15 lost sheep lost coin lost son alright and I'm just going to read about the lost sheep Luke chapter 15 starting with verse 1 uh, I'm going to wait for you to open your Bibles because I tricked you this week and I'm not putting the scripture up there. All right. So fire up your laptop or your iPads or your phones or uh, open your old-fashioned Bible. Activate your memory if you've chosen to memorize the Bible. Some of you are trying to reboot your memory. Um, some of you just need to boot for your memory. All right. Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So friends, obviously you understand the point of that story is that we come together as a church body and we worship together and we serve together and we minister to one another. And those are all very valid and very important things. But when we talk about 2012 being our best people year ever, a part of what always needs to be in the back of our mind is remembering that those of us who are in this room and those that we represent who have already entered into a life-changing love relationship with God, those of us who have already been invited and welcomed and feel a part of this church body, those of us who have said, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I acknowledge that you died on this cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I acknowledge that I've been living separated from you and I want to come home and come close to you. Those of us who are open to the possibility of being challenged to become more and more like Christ in all aspects of our life like we touched on last week. Those of us who are willing to be uh, like those, uh, those grilling tools that are set apart for God's purposes, then we need to understand we're the 99, all right? And while we may high-five each other because we're all here every week, had a really good attendance last week, and oh, that's cool. Folks, don't ever lose sight of the fact that we're the 99. And while God's glad you're here, 
and we're glad you're here. And the statistics may reflect that it's good that you're here. If 2012 is going to be our best people year ever, it is imperative that we never, ever lose sight of the fact that we're the 99. And a part of why we're here is so that we can in turn reach out to others who've not yet been invited, who've not yet known what it is to be welcomed into a body of believers who are striving to live in, in community and connectivity and support one another. It is imperative that we always keep in the back of our minds that we're the 99. And a part of our best people year ever means we need to be intentional about reaching out to that one sheep. And I will be very candid with you. I think historically over the, the life of our church, we have been much better about taking care of the 99 than we have been about reaching out to the one. And friends, I will put myself at the top of the list as far as being responsible for that. But if that's going to change, then we need to be mindful of that. Um, obviously, I speak regularly, not every Sunday, but, but I'm up here regularly. And it's interesting how it still surprises me sometimes when people listen to what I say. All right? Uh, no disrespect toward any of you, but I prepare a sermon, I preach it, and then when somebody comes back to me and wants to take action based on what I said, it's like, really? You're, you're going to do something? A couple weeks ago, when I was talking about this whole people thing, and 2012 being our best people year ever, as I was leaving, somebody said, Pastor, I really need to meet with you this week. And I thought, well, that's nice. And, and, I, and, and I said, well, I'm going to be gone. It was a week that I was going to be out of town for the first couple days of the week. And I said, I'll call you when I get back in town. And uh, I'd been back for a day, and I hadn't gotten with them. And they kind of left me a message saying, remember, we were going to get together and do lunch. And I said, okay. And, and so I called them back. And uh, by this time, I think it was Thursday. And between their schedule and mine, it was clear that lunch wasn't going to happen. And I thought, no big deal. We can put it off to, to next week. And they said, no, I really need to talk to you this week. And, and some of you know, oftentimes when people say they really need to talk to me, especially about something that I had to say from the platform, it's not always a good conversation. Um, so they, they said, lunch wasn't going to work. And they said, well, what are you doing right now? I'm sitting in the office talking to you on the phone. And uh, they said, I'll be right there. Really? And they came in and they said, you know, you were talking about 2012 being our best people year ever. And a part of that is going to be more people coming. See, yeah, I, I, I do remember saying that. And they said, well, you know how every year, usually in October, we do friend day. And everybody's encouraged to bring friends. Said, yeah. And they said, that's a really good thing. I said, well, I'm, I'm glad you think so. And then they said, why don't we do that more often? Well, that's a novel concept. They said, you know, one of the things that we do as a church that we do well is we eat well. <laughs> and I think that's a good thing, but... Uh, <laughs> amen. Uh, Mark's here today. He thought we were having a potluck. But anyway, a um, <laughs> little inside joke, but all right. <laughs> That's right. But, but that was the point this, this person said. They said, you know what? That's, a, that's usually a fun time. He, they said, what if we made every week that we do a potluck, usually the last Sunday of the month, if we made that a friend day? I said, 
that's a novel concept. Y'all come to church with me, you get a free meal. It may mean you have to bring a little bit more food. It may mean somebody has to go through the line before you go through the line. Um, but I thought, well, that's a novel concept. And, and then this was the kicker. They said, because some of you know, if you come to me with a good idea, what am I very likely to do? Yeah, you own it. You make it happen. This, this person beat me to the punch. And, and they said, next Sunday is the last Sunday of the month, right? So we're going to have a potluck next Sunday after church. They said, if you drive, and if you come to church next Sunday, and if you bring a first-time guest, they will give you a $20 gas card. Sound reasonable? Okay, so that's the deal. Next Sunday, bring, you don't have to pick them up when I said drive. Just You can even have them meet them here. You can even give them the gas card, but I'm not telling you you have to do that. Um, but if you bring a first-time guest next Sunday, here's the catch. You have to come and introduce them to me, all right? And you'll get a $20 gas card, all right? If you bring more than one? In the same household or different households? Uh, let's, do, let's do different households. And uh, for this time, sure, all right? It's not my money. All right, so. <laughs> uh, I'll pay for that. Uh, all right. All right, so that's one part of the people is understanding we're the 99. And there are a lot of lost sheep out there. The other part of the people that I would talk about at this point in time is the idea we've talked a lot when we did our list of things that would make us the best people year was, was not only more people, but a deeper connectivity among members of the congregation. And, and I would just say that more people and a deeper sense of connectivity or community among the congregation does not necessarily come without challenges. We read it this week and we talked about it with the worship team. But there's that story in Acts chapter 1, or excuse me, Acts chapter 6. Uh, remember the church is growing phenomenally and, and in church circles we tend to think growth is always a good thing but sometimes growth brings challenges and we're going to talk more about that in, in the days ahead. But in this particular situation they had a problem, funny enough, a church problem with food. Imagine that. It says in chapter 6 verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. In other words, those in leadership can only do so much. For us to continue to incorporate new people, everybody needs to step in. They said, verse 3, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. There are challenges that come with growth. There are challenges with adding people. There are challenges that come 
with trying to build community. Some of you have noticed that some people are not that easy to get along with. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes even church folks can be difficult to get along with. And as I, and as I read that story in Acts chapter 6, I had this vision about a potluck Sunday. And after the potluck, the, the Kissinger, Beatty, Neal family came to me and said, Pastor, we've got a problem. I said, what's that? Well, by the time the Turner, Owens, Zona, Keppen, McGregor, Densmore family goes through the potluck line, there's no food left for us. <laughs> and we expect you to fix that. Now, there would be an option that, that I could work in the kitchen all weekend cooking extra food so that I made sure we could feed those families or we could say hey everybody we got a lot of big eaters so let's all bring two dishes instead of one one of the challenges that we have is what I want to focus on anybody have a, co a coin in your pocket if you can don't dig through your purse but if you can get to a coin quickly would you get it out and, and hold it up like this when you've got it you can go to that yeah there we go I've got a quarter. It just, just works out that way. All right? We're not going to spend a lot of time here. Got it? All right. Now, are you coordinated enough to stay in your seat and flip your coin? All right. Flip your coin and catch it. All right? All right. Would you stand up if you have heads? Okay, those of you who don't have heads, take your coin and turn it over. Now would you stand up if you have heads? <laughs> Is there anybody who flipped a coin who's not standing now? Because I want to talk to you because you're crooked, all right? <laughs> all right, have a seat. Every coin has two sides. And I want to talk about the fact that as a church, sometimes our greatest strengths can become a weakness. And a couple of our greatest strengths as a church, and I, and I kind of hinted at this a couple of times, and I almost went there, but I showed incredible self-restraint. A couple of our greatest strengths as a church, one is I made a joke earlier about the Kissinger, Beatty, Neal family and the Owens, Turner, Keppen, Zona, McGregor, Densmore family. All right, this side of the room and this side of the room. <laughs> I made a joke about that. And, and we've talked before, and one of the wonderful things about Caring Community Church is that we have several families where three generations of the same family come here and that is awesome we have a unique environment where many of you when you come have a, a biological connection not just with the people who live in your immediate household but with several other households that are a part of this church and that is a wonderful thing but when new people come oftentimes they're not related to anybody here and it can be difficult for the people who aren't related to someone here to find a place where they fit. 
because we're already family. We're already tight. At the same time, some of us who aren't blood-related to anybody here have been together as a part of this church for a very long time. And so we've got this tie that's almost like blood, sometimes maybe even a little thicker than blood. Because we've been through the battles together as a church. We've, we've, we've watched each other's kids. We've wept over, over losses. And so we have this incredibly tight bond. And many times we really are a caring community. And that is awesome. The other side to that coin is how hard it can be for new people to begin to feel like they're a part of us. So it is imperative that if we're going to focus on building a deeper sense of connectivity and community, that we find ways and we become intentional about making sure that we're crossing those boundaries. I joked about where we sit, and it's not about where we sit. It is about a mindset. Ruben and Kathleen have been very candid at times in explaining as they weren't just non-family members. They were from another planet called New Mexico. (laughs) All right? And then they went to that unique place, Ann Arbor, which may even be more different than New Mexico. But, but it was very painful for them at times because do we fit here or don't we fit here? It may still be painful for them. And I pick on them because of their comfort level and the, and the years they've invested in working through that. The reality is most new folks, if we don't very quickly find a way to help them feel like they have a part here, a place here, they're not going to stick around. So I I just want us, I'm not offering a solution to that, but I am wanting us to be aware of the challenge that we face. The the second challenge that I want to talk about is this one. Uh, How many of you knew that I came to your house this week? (laughs) Well, at least those of you that I could see on Google Earth, all right? Um, And I won't tell you what I saw. No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But... One of the other challenges we face is community is much easier to cultivate in proximity. Some of my closest friends as an adult and many of my closest friends as kids were the people that I lived close to. I I look at Susie and and Ashley. Ashley Payne, by the way, congratulations to Ashley. Ashley got married uh, recently. Um, But we initially met Susie, because we lived next door to each other, and we developed an incredible bond in that time. Ruben and Kathleen, when they moved to Albion, lived very close to us, and and the relationship that we grew, grew incredibly during that season. But not all of us live close to each other. And if you look, if I can get my pointer to work, uh, there's Dean and Leah, and there's Tim and Tara. 23 miles from Dean and Leah to Tim and Tara's house. And they're going to live in community together. We got, um, shake your hand, Leslie and Will, all the way over here to Terry and Lynn Hobus. 34 miles. Leslie and Will, would you wave to Terry back there? All right. Hi, <laughs> neighbor. There you go. You know, and, and you look, it was hilarious as I did this. I, Scott and Marcia have been coming, what, a couple months now? 
I, and I, I've actually, I, I sent you a letter, right? You've gotten mail from the church? No, you haven't gotten any mail from the church? Shame on me. I'll fix that. Uh, but I had no idea how close I lived to Scott and Marcia until I sat down and I did this little exercise. You see, we got our little Homer click down here. We got the Albion folks. Uh, we got the, the Marley folks out here. Um, I mean, I, I throw that up there to just remind us that for us to have community requires a degree of intentionality. It will not happen unless we think, oh, A, some of you might be surprised to realize you have somebody who goes to church who lives near you. The other part of it is maybe when we do have those times of, of fellowship, we do have those potlucks, you think, maybe it would be good for me to sit by somebody who doesn't live next door to me so that I can begin to cultivate a sense of connectivity. Uh, some of you may have noticed from the bulletin, I'm going to do my message in a couple parts, and, and I'm going to wrap up the first part uh, with this question. You put that up, Spence. Ultimately, who is responsible for developing deeper connectivity within the congregation? Is it, is it, is it up to me? Linda says it is. So Linda says, I'm responsible for developing a greater sense of connectivity, community within our congregation. And you know what? I don't often say this, but Linda is absolutely right. <laughs> Reuben never says that. Oh, oh I, you said I never say that. Uh, all right. <laughs> so, how about you, John? Do you think I'm responsible? Okay. Are you responsible? You are. Say that for me. You're responsible. Linda, are you responsible? <laughs> Friends, the reality is every one of us, every one of us is responsible for us developing a greater sense of community and connectivity. I cannot make it happen. I can love upon you the very best I possibly can. But friends, I can't do that for everybody. And I'm going to miss somebody. I'm not going to be there when somebody needs me. But if every one of us embraces that, then this could be our best people year ever in terms of deeper connectivity and a greater sense of community. For each and every one of us to take responsibility, not just call pastor and let pastor create a program, but to step up ourselves and be there for people. Yes, the ones who live close to me. Yes, the ones I'm related to. But what about somebody else? What about stretching those boundaries? So what I want you to say is, I'm responsible. All together. All right, let's do this together. Uh, let's say, I am ultimately responsible. Together with me. I am ultimately responsible for... The okay. That means I can take some extra time off this week because you're responsible. All right. What I would like you to do is we've been watching this several times over the last several weeks. <clears throat> but we're going to watch the seven days video again. And you don't have to say it, but I want you to think about it and understand that you are responsible. Those of you that have been here, how does the seven days video end? What are the last words? What's that? You are the church... So prove it. So if you're responsible for whether or not we develop deeper connectivity and community, 
statement is you've got seven days to prove it. So let's watch that, Spence. More people and deeper connectivity requires more people and increased commitment. In order for us to see the things addressed and to see the things we've been talking about take place, it's going to require more people stepping up in a multitude of different ways, and it's going to require many of us taking our commitment, not to say you're not committed already, but taking our commitment up a notch. It's going to take us uh, doing the things that we just sang about, having the audacity to pray, Lord, show me how to love the way that you loved me. It's going to take us having the audacity not just to sing it, but to pray. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Move me to action the way that you've been moved to action. And I know I emphasized this a while back when we were approaching and celebrating our anniversary. But the reality is the church is here today because there were people who said, you know what, I'm going to give sacrificially of my time, talent, and resources in order to see this ministry move forward. The church has continued on for 30 plus years because people have continued to have that kind of commitment. And for us to continue on and become even more, for us to see our next five years be our best five years, it's going to require that very same thing. Um, I read it quickly, but as I read the story in Acts chapter 6, and again, some of you have read it throughout the course of, of the week as part of your Bible reading plan, but I just want to go back and reemphasize partway through that. Remember the situation, they, they had a problem with the distribution of food, and they said, we need to fix this. We need some people to take on this responsibility of, of serving food and coordinating that so that those in leadership can focus upon their specific task rather than being sidetracked. But it has always struck me, and some of you have heard me comment before. Okay, remember, they're looking for people to coordinate the potluck, all right? It was a bigger deal than that. But it was not one of the things that you would think required a seminary education, all right? Or an advanced degree. But it strikes me that when they begin to propose this idea, it says, verse 3, chapter 6 of Acts, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. In other words, this is important, and we need godly men who are filled with the Spirit of God and who are wise. And then it goes on. And it says, the proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then it lists the others. Now, friends, after this took place, look at what happened. They, they, they addressed this. They find godly people to step in and fill servant roles. And it says, in response to that, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of the priests became obedient to faith. In other words, when they began to show that, that more people in service and that increased commitment to service, God moved and things happened in very special ways. So, and, and then to me, many of you know the story as it continues on. So it's now Stephen, remember one of these men that was, was picked to, to wait tables as they said here. Now Stephen, a man full of grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. And I would just remind us, friends, when it comes to working together to advance the kingdom of God, there is no smaller insignificant role. There is no role that 
gives you permission to say this isn't important so you can just do it half-heartedly. It all is crucial and everyone has the ability to make a difference. Go to the next one, Spence. The question we've been looking at, what would it look like for 2012 to be our best people year ever? Friends, I'm going to rapid fire go through some things and and this is not going to be a lengthy explanation of each. Many of them will make great sense to you very quickly. However, these are intricately tied to another piece of that triangle I've been showing you. These are connected to the, to the issues of programming, and, and we'll talk about them more some in a couple weeks. But for us, for 2012 to be our best people year ever, one of the things that's going to require is more people involved in serving. Okay? More people involved in serving. A, a great illustration just, just today is Pat Conkle knew he wasn't going to be here because of work commitments. So last week, he said, Tony, since you're so shy, I think it would be good for you to stand by the door and greet people as they come in. I was going to have somebody watch to see if anybody left when Tony greeted them, but... um, but, for, but friends, that, that was not a program. That was not a, a plan from the LBA that said, Pat, you know, if you're not going to be here, you've got to find a replacement. That was just Pat understanding that it's important for people to be welcomed. And if he wasn't going to be here, then he needed to make sure somebody was willing to do that. Friends, that's the kind of thing that has to happen all across everything that is caring community, is for all of us to understand it's imperative that none of us come with a spectator's mindset. None of us come with a space eater approach. I'm just here to take up a seat, to get something for me and go home. No. We're all in this together. Another great illustration, it's down the hall so you can't see it, but I'll tell you about it. Many years ago, after being a part of our church for a number of years, Bill Carr uh, decided he was ready to teach Um, one of our children's classes and over the course of time he settled in with the third through fifth graders and really took ownership of that but because we encouraged him to have somebody else down there with him over the course of time he invited Damian Wetzel to to help him teach then over when Bill and Laurie left to go to another church for a while Damian took over the class Bill and Laurie come back so guess who's Damian's helper now bill is friends again that was not an official program but that was an understanding and and i should say guess who asked bill to be his helper damien did friends that's the kind of stuff that needs to happen all across the board more and more and more people involved in doing everything that needs to be done and then some Uh, the next one with regard to to the people aspect is more people discovering their god-given gifts abilities and passions kathleen used the phrase when she was talking about her role in helping to to facilitate and lead our worship team was that's a passion of hers and friends there are jobs that just plain need to be done i will say cleaning toilets is not a passion of mine all right if it is yours i celebrate that and and we would be glad to connect you with the cleaning team all right But it needs to be done, and it needs to be done well. But there are things that God has uniquely gifted you to do. That is a belief that we have that all of us, whether we've unleashed it or not, all of us have spiritual gifting. All of us have talents, and all of us have abilities. All of us have life experiences. All of us have things that we are passionate about. 
You know, I look at the guys with the wild game dinner. You know, friends, I love the outdoors. I've hunted for years, don't do it much anymore. But I was never passionate about eating it, all right? I, I ate it because I was taught if you killed it, you had to eat it. So, so I missed a lot, all right? But <laughs> uh, that wasn't really why I missed. But anyway, uh, but friends, the guys think that's a great experience. I have to tell you this story, and, and if this story involves you, I am not picking on you in any way, shape, or form. I had this guy calling me this week, and, and I always look at caller ID, and it was a 734, which I knew was over on the east side of the state. This guy called me every day this week, leaving messages, and I'd call him back, and he didn't have an answering machine, so we played, I mean, every day I'd come into the office and there would be at least one call if not more from this guy if he listens to this on the internet I'm incredibly embarrassed and I apologize to Sydney all right but but he kept calling me and finally he left me a cell number so I called left a message on a cell number and he called me back he was calling because he wanted to know when the wild game dinner was okay I have no idea who this guy is Ed Zona works on that side of the state I thought maybe Ed coordinates maybe it was Ed Ed says I don't know who that guy is so, so we finally connect, and I said, you know, March 9th, 6.30, bring a dish to pass. And I said, i got to ask. I said, how'd you know about this? So I've got a friend who lives in Albion. I said, oh, really? Does he come to our church? No. Has he come to the wild game dinner? No. I just thought I would come to the, visit my friend and come to the wild game dinner. So I still don't understand. How do you know about our wild game dinner? I was playing euchre in a bar with someone who said they went to your church and they talked about the wild game dinner last year and how great it was, and I thought, I want to go to that. <laughs> Somebody was passionate about the wild game dinner. Praise God. More people discovering their God-given gifts talents and abilities all right so friends please understand that for us to be the best people you're ever we all got to be on board with that and, and that is a program thing, programming thing but it's a mindset what i'm listing for you now is also a prayer diagram as far as the stuff you can pray for our church the next thing more people discovering developing and using their leadership skills friends those people who were recruited to wait tables were leaders and friends we need service but we need leaders we need people who will step up and say not only will i do this but I will train somebody to do it with me so that when I'm not able to do it they will do it in my place friends that has to happen I will be very candid that's one of my weaknesses I love to do ministry I'm not as good about saying do ministry with me so you can do it when I can't do it but that has to happen more and more people discovering developing and using their leadership gifts of skills and abilities the bottom line is you can go to the next one Spence what has to happen for this to be our best people year ever and next year to be better than that and next year to be better than that is we need disciples which are people who are growing and following Christ we need disciples who are making disciples but it can't stop there I, I think we've done that part well we have disciples who've made disciples but then those disciples have to make more disciples I think sometimes where we drop the ball is that third generation First generation, yeah, I'm all for it. Second generation, yeah, if you want to tag along, uh, we're good. But equipping you to the point that you can in turn equip someone else who then in turn can equip someone else. Friends, that's what has to happen. Go to the next one. 
what would it look like for our next five years to be our best people year ever, years ever? You go to the next one, Spence. Is, it's smaller print, but it's all those things we just talked about, plus one other thing. Somewhere, if our next five years are going to be our best five years ever, in addition, we have been blessed over the history of our church with volunteers who give their blood, sweat, tears, time, talent, treasure, year after year after year to help this ministry be all that it can be. But friends, the reality is most of us are just getting busier and busier and busier and busier, not just with church stuff, but with the stuff of life. If we're going to see not 130 people, but 150 people, 175 people, 200 people who call Caring Community Church their church home, our volunteers are going to have to continue to step up, but somewhere in that process, the plus is we're going to have to wrestle with things like adding paid support staff, like adding paid ministerial staff. Some of you old-timers know we had some forays into paid staff and didn't necessarily work out so well. So those things are going to have to be worked through and processed because the reality is, and some of you unfortunately have experienced this firsthand already, if we rely on just me, the ball's going to get dropped. If we rely on just Kathleen with regard to the worship team, the ball's going to get dropped. Not because Kathleen is, is not competent, not because we're not passionate about what we do, but all of us can only do so much. There will come a time, if we're going to see the next five years be our best people years ever, that we're going to have to work through some of those things. And I share this with you today so that you can partner with me, you can partner with those in leadership, you can partner with those who come here on Sunday nights to pray, you can partner with those who pray faithfully in their homes to pray about these things. Maybe we'll even put, to, put something on the website with those, those areas that I talked about that need to happen so that you can be making those matters of prayer. Go to the last one, Spence. Oh, you're already there. I love it. People, places, programs. Friends, it's not just church organization. This goes all the way back to where we started. If we're going to reach that one lost sheep, those things need to be working fluidly together. I spent more time on the people part than I'm going to spend on the other two parts. But that's where we have to start. It is up to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us are responsible for whether we step up, for whether we serve, whether we grow, whether we use our gifts, talents, and abilities. We all have to pull together in this. Would you pray with me? As the worship team makes their way up here, and as you think about people, places, and programs, as you think about where you're at and where, where you're in a position to step up and engage, as you begin to wrestle with what your gifts, talents, and abilities are, as you begin to think, am I, am I the kind of person who's going to sit at the euchre table and invite someone from miles away to come and experience what I experienced at our church? Am I going to invite my next-door neighbor who really irritates me to come and meet the Jesus who changed my life? Because Jesus died on the cross for them. Am I going to step out of my comfort level and teach? Am I going to step out of my comfort level and lead? Am I going to make difficult decisions so that my life is something that I can invite people to imitate? 
As you think about those things, as you pray about those things, understand as we sing this song, Touching Heaven and Changing Earth, that is the calling on each and every one of us. Each and every one of us are called to touch heaven so that God can work through us to change earth.